When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's Tripe Supper. Anthony Vicks is here as ever, but there's no Philip Talentire. A chock-a-block John O'Taylor's replaced him. So if you, if you can hear a bunged-up John O, that's why. Uh, and also, if you hear us humming along to the Reading tune, we've not long, uh, we've not long had that blasting out in the office. I love Eurovision. <laughs> uh, it's Reading we're going to talk about, obviously, because Borough there on Saturday and the fact that they're flying high. Uh, Vic John are looking at the top end of the championship. Are you surprised? I mean, Reading and Brighton, I guess, are the surprise packages. Other than that, it's very much as we expected, I think, isn't it? Uh, it, it certainly is as we expected in the sense that it's very, very tight. Is it five teams in joint third? Uh, I think we, we're almost at the 10 to 12 game stage now, so it, it is taking shape. And if you're not in that bunch now, I think you, you should start to get worried. Uh, I think there's a few teams in there that are a bit of a surprise. I mean, Brighton last year looked like they were, they'd, they'd reached a plateau somewhere in the bottom half. And we know they have some good players and, and some of them will have uh, Premier League experience. But last year they didn't look like a club that was suddenly going to ignite. Reading, I think, were a, f- a funny, uh, a different proposition really because obviously last year a lot was expected of them. They'd come down from the, the Premier League recently. They still had Premier League players, this parachute money. And then they had that mysterious, strange, uh, aborted takeover where a, a Russian businessman took over the club. Majeski had said he didn't want anything to do with it anymore. He wasn't prepared to bankroll it. And half of the club was sold. And the cheque never arrived. And the bloke actually did a runner. I, I think Interpol are looking for him. I, he just hasn't been seen. So Majeski was forced to take the club back over, but made it quite clear he wasn't putting any more money in it. And that kind of left their, their entire season stillborn. It happened about eight weeks into the season. And the, club, the distractions, I think, the uncertainty, left the club under a bit of a cloud. And obviously Atkins went, Steve Clark came in, and he steadied the ship, but they didn't really spark under him. There was nothing there at the back end of last season to suggest that they were going to be a threat. Obviously, he's a very good coach. He's got them organised over the summer. He's had a good pre-season. And they brought some good players in, albeit on loan. Uh, Vidra, obviously, is a, a great, great signing. And, you know, he's one that, personally, I, I would have liked here. But but he's injured now, so we'll see what effect that has on them. Reading are, are really interesting, really, because I think I was quite surprised, firstly, when Clark went there uh, last season. I mean... Clark, I thought, did a, a pretty good job at West Brom. He very came, you know, he was very unlucky to get sat there. Um, but obviously, they needed a change in Reading, lured him there. Uh, none of the players at Reading were really his players, and you could almost see that last season that they were they were really way back in, you know, below the weight. Um, but they've had a, they spent a lot of money this summer. I mean, Vic mentioned Vidra. Um, it cost two and a half million pounds to get him on loan for the season. So you know, Clark's obviously gone to the owners and said, look. You need you need to you know, loosen the purse strings and give us a chance. And you have to say the players have bought. I mean, looking on, looking at the list, none of them really were jumping out. But they've taken a gamble on a couple of them. I think they've got that lad 
Orlando Saar, Saar who yeah, previously well, at Fulham he started well. Um, they've got the, the lad Nick Blackman who's been there for for a, well, quite a while now and he's, scoring goals. he's banging goals in left, right and centre. Teams do that and mm. all of a sudden I mean, how often do you see a striker goes on a, a scoring run? Look at Daryl Murphy last year. Yeah. Never really had a, a, a previous of scoring that amount of goals in a season but he got Ipswich to you know well within what 180 minutes of the Premier League. So it there is happen. one every year, isn't there? The the, the the goal scorer at the top in the Championship. I was talking to, to Charles Watts from Get Reading earlier this week, and he was talking uh, about the size of their squad now, which you think is what all managers have said about Boroughs, but he was saying the real difference is this year is they've actually got players who can come on and make a difference. I think it's Aaron Aaron Tishabola, I think it's pronounced. The guy who was on loan at Hartlepool last year. He's gone back and a bit like Adam Reach at Borough last year, he's gone back a different player and suddenly Steve Clark seems to have game changers on the bench and, and you can see that, I guess, kind of from the results. It's interesting because obviously uh, he has parallels with Aitor Karanka and he worked under Jose Mourinho as well. And you could maybe see a parallel in how he came in halfway through a season where there was a lot of disruption and maybe uh, money had been denied to the previous manager and came in and his first job was to settle the ship and, and maybe instill some organisation without actually setting anything on fire and then having had a pre-season and, and with his own players in maybe we'll see the real Reading this year and you know we often talk about the Carranca Mourinho uh, link this this one seems to have gone under the radar a little bit but you know there is there is that dimension going into the game Clark's got plenty of experience and you're talking about the other team up there as well Brighton I mean in in Chris Hewton, they've got someone yeah. who's who's won the championship before, obviously with the neighbours up the road. But um, they've you know, bought some players in, or kind of went under the radar again over the you know over the summer. But they've got a chap, uh, Tom Hemed, isn't it? Yeah, he's at the ground running. They've, they've got that one striker who seems to to be working now. It's interesting actually. Borough aren't really like that this season. Um, I've obviously had some crank quotes this week where he's talking about how. The top Borough scorer this this season in the league is there's a four way tie with only three goals. Now, I know Austin's leading the way, and he was seven on his own. Is it Stuani, Fabrini, Kike, and Nugent have all got three? And then he's kind of saying, "Well, that's much better for me. It's much better for Borough that we've got goals throughout the team." Because last year he was talking about Patrick Bamford saying when he you know when he was Bamford was struggling at the back end of the year, Borough weren't scoring goals. So it's you know, two very different kind of. Um, think sides come locked together on on Saturday. I think you make a good point about Hewitt and Clark, because last year they were they were the obvi- almost the obvious appointments for a Championship club, weren't the two good managers with good records who probably had to drop down the Championship to pick themselves back up again. But then you looked at like you say, Brighton and Reading, didn't you think? Well, you know, have they have they possibly overperformed in the past? But early this season, they're already showing, aren't they? That the top managers, the other sides there, obviously, whole. Uh, I was going to say QPR, but they've struggled. I know Ipswich have dropped out, but whole Burnley, Ipswich are there or thereabouts. Are they very much the teams we expected to be up there at this stage? I think so. Yeah, I mean, if we had drawn that list, or certainly when the bookies drew their list up, that they were the teams that that people were talking about. There's an expectation on Premier League sides to to bounce straight back, and obviously they have money. Although if you listen to Sean Dyke, <laughs> not very much of it. Uh, but the bottom line is that they will have some good players with a lot of experience playing at a, at a top level. The problem for teams that come down is obviously there's, there's an emotional hangover as much as anything. And unless you get off to a good start, a sense of doubt creeps in. And players who last year were, were holding their own for a long spells in the Premier League and the, the year before 
had you know been part of a promotion campaign suddenly look like mid-table championship players and once you've got two or three of those in the team people who, you know, who doubt their ability and belief and uh, maybe the crowds are a little bit mentally fragile as well sometimes a club can lose its way very quickly you just need to look at the bottom half of the table and you know there's teams down there that two and three years ago were, were in the Premier League. I was looking at QPR, sorry, Jenna, you look, I was looking at QPR squad, and if they hadn't kept hold of Charlie Austin, some of their players, now you think it's, it's incredible how, how you go from, and they had, they had a, a solid, they had a squad of good players, underperforming good players. Now it's bang average players, isn't it, suddenly all at once? And it can happen overnight, can't it, like you say, when you... And you get relegated. I think Austin was... was um, and he was scored 50% of their goals. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Which he was always going to do, any. But, I mean, the chances of them holding on to him in January will surely be slim. Well, he's injured, isn't he? I don't know how bad his injury is. Um, I think Vic, Vic is right. I mean, it is always kind of difficult for to gauge how new, you know, teams that have dropped out of the Premier League are going to do. But I, I'm not surprised that Burnley and Hull are there or thereabouts. I do expect them to go on a run at some point, but the benefit is that Borough are already you know, ahead of them yeah. and plenty of points ahead of them at that. Um, just like the Derby as well, that's another one who, just behind that kind of the, the joint third pack, but they've now won three on the bounce. It was only a matter of time before they got that winning. But the, the advantage that, that Borough have, you know, they're Borough on their best run of form in 20 years now, is that they've already got the points on the board. Everyone else is playing catch-up. And if you look at the fixtures, you know... No real fixture will scare Borough at the minute, and teams will be looking, saying, "Well, we we need to make up five, six, seven points on Borough. Yeah. Where where are they going to start? Where are they going to drop points?" And with Borough, there's still the feeling that they're only just finding their way, mm. and that the team will get better. That's the point I've taken from the last few weeks that that Borough haven't been brilliant. You know, against uh, against Leeds, they did the job. Wolves was in the cup, but I mean that that's a compliment, isn't it? That that we can see that there's more to come from the side. The players have said it, haven't they, in the post-match. We can see there's more to come from the side. You, yet, you, yet, they've, yet they've won seven games on the bounce and suddenly there's that gap behind them. I think that's partly because the, the area where we expect improvement, where we expect it to click and, and become more fluid, is up front. At the back, it's very much the, the team that were there last year. and you know They're rigid, they're very disciplined, that everyone there knows what they're doing. Uh, and because of that, I think you've got that solid base, and and you know, we, Borough have conceded the fewest goals yeah. in all four divisions, and that's not a fluke. I mean, that's a that's eighteen months worth of hard graft on the training ground. The, fun, oh, no, sorry, the funny thing is as well. I mean, I know that that the Borough in the final, certainly in the attacking third are kind of unrecognisable really they're fantastic but even the goals that Borough have conceded this year albeit not you know, the fewest in the championship few of them have been very uncharacteristic of Borough I mean you're looking at the Brentford goal which was obviously you know, the dimmy mistake you're looking at Forrest which was a unmarked you know, free header which particularly annoyed Karanka and then the, obviously the late equaliser at Derby so the goals they are conceding are uncharacteristic you know, goals as well so I think Borough can only get better in that department as well. On the defence, how impressed have you been with Fernando Amorabieta? He looks the player that, that Karanka promised, didn't he, yeah. when he came in the back end of last year? Yeah, obviously he's got a lot of experience. He's playing in some tough leagues. He's played in La Liga and the Premier League. Uh, I think when you step into a club, sometimes it's it's very hard to find your feet quickly. And I think the most important thing of his previous loan spell, I think, will have been the fact that he was socialised into the team 
and <coughs> became very familiar with the, the methodology and the attitude here. And the fact that he's returned shows that he's not scared of the challenge. And there, there are big challenges at Middlesbrough, you know, the, the demand to improve every week, uh, the, the culture of excellence. And not every player likes that, you know. A lot, a lot of players like an easy life. And the fact that he's come back knowing what he was stepping into and already was familiar with the surroundings, I think that's why we're seeing the best of him now. What I think he has added is he's a, he is a, a good defender and he's very solid and, uh, you know, he, when it gets physical, he's useful. But some of these balls forward, his long balls, yeah. diagonal balls, so have been fantastic. Really impressed with, yeah. And a few times he, he's knocked from, you know, from the, almost the left-back position and picked out Albert on the right wing and Stuani on the right wing. They've been fantastic balls. And that's something that I don't think we saw last year. I think it's interesting when you're talking about um, and we'll be able to, to consider what he stepped into last year. His first taste of life in the Championship. We went to Fulham, who had just been relegated, just spent God knows how much on Ross McCormack. I think 11, 12 million. A huge expectation that season at, at Fulham. And he, he, he took a little while to get going and the fans were on top of him you know, pretty quickly. And I, I do I remember the, the game where I think they got thumped over Bournemouth and he had a real kind of worrying game, but he's probably now gone into an environment where he knows Aitor from you know his playing days. He is feel you know he feels wanted, and that whole kind of team spirit that's around Rockliffe at the minute has probably really benefited him. He's probably he probably did find it pretty tough tough going, a tough kind of baptism of fire at Fulham, but. This season, I mean, he, he's familiar faces again, isn't it? He knows the manager. The manager has nothing but nice things to say about him, and it's it's a feel good factor, and and also it, just, it helps when you're slotting into the the best defence yeah. in the division, really, as well. I mean, any manager you work under after Felix McGatter, <laughs> like the God, wouldn't you? Uh, would you start him on Saturday? Should he should he stay? In? Personally, yes. Uh, I I think uh, Ben's obviously he was first choice last year, and the stats of him alongside Ayala last year are phenomenal. I think that 28 times they started together and the first 27 were unbeaten. Yeah. It was only at Fulham, which which such a basket case in a game that would be very hard <laughs> to draw any conclusions from. And then Wembley, the, the, that pair were actually on the losing side. So on paper you could argue that, that Gibbo is the first choice. But he's had a niggling start to the season. He's had the hammy and come back too early and tweaked it again and there's a case for giving him a couple of weeks out I think yeah, let's get it sorted properly you know take a couple of weeks out don't put him on the bench don't risk him putting him in cold into games because that's very often when you, you, you can aggravate a muscle uh, got Jack Stevens there Dale Fry should he be needed Woody should he be needed mm. And I, I mean, I, I think there is a case for just giving Gibbo a few weeks off. You, you've got an international break on the horizon. You know, Alborough tend to perform after the international breaks as well. It, it may not be a bad one for him. I just sit out of on Saturday, and then you've got a, a big kind of clutch of games in quick succession after that, haven't you? Starting with Fulham, obviously a busy month. You've got obviously Man United in the cup as well. Um, so there are plenty more games for him, and it may not be a bad one to, to sit out. I reckon. Before we wrap up, uh, there's been a couple of managerial casualties this week. Uh, will, will this be the start of the trigger-happy season, do you think? Yes, October is the, the killing month for, for managers. It's, you reach the 10 games mark, and that's when chairmen start to, you know, mentally at the beginning of the season, a lot of chairmen say, you know, 10 games, and if we haven't got X, I'm going to take action. I mean, that was the problem for Tony Mowbray, really, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, October, I think you you will see a lot of lot of changes for anyone that's thinking about doing that, 
apart from anything else, you, you do have this break, so it gives you know managers a couple of weeks to work uh, with, with with new players uh, and reorganise teams that are in in uh, free fall. So I mean, there's a fair chance another few could go, and Itor could move another couple of places up the, the <laughs> charts. We were you surprised by who it was who's gone. I mean, Brentford. There was it was kind of all eyes on. There was the a bit of cynicism, I guess, wasn't there after the way they dealt with Warburton last year? Who's probably looking on with a with a smirk from up north. Uh, Steve Evans, he just pulled Rotherham. He just pulled two results from nowhere, really, hadn't he? I think he's been there three seasons, won two promotions, and mm. kept them up. So that came as a bit of a shock. Didn't yeah, it? the Evans one was a little bit more surprising, especially they they brought in a lot of players over the summer. Yeah. It will have been you know, you know buyed into the the Steve Evans kind of. Working under him and all that. The Brentford one, I mean, I, I remember I was sat with you two in the summer saying that what's their expectation this year? They finished fifth last year and, and then why, they've ripped up all the foundations and started again. I mean, that was... The bottom line is his stats haven't been good enough. No. I no. said if, if, if Benham suddenly fancies a change in philosophy, Steve Evans is there for him. <laughs> but with the, uh, I mean, with the sackings, though, I mean, Cranker always says there's eight, nine, ten teams that all fancy the chance of promotion this year and that's yeah. good. Because it is such a, you know, insert bracket, you know, open championship season, the the eight or nine teams that can't finish in that top two, are the managers are going to be under pressure. That's what yeah. happens, isn't it? And the, other, the other thing is, money brings pressure. There's nothing gets you sacked faster than, than wasting money in the transfer market. And after three years of the financial fair play driving wages and uh, transfer spend down, uh, this year we go into a, a new phase and it's the change in the system and it's been relaxed so the, the uh, allowable spending limits have actually gone up this year and that's encouraged a few people who've spent the last two or three years being prudent to splash a bit of cash around and that's when managers get sacked. I did read a, a bit this morning um, about QPR how it was from Les Ferdinand talking about Chris Ramsey saying how um, he's safe for now but results need to improve that's, yeah, that's that. quite a nice... Um, that's quite a nice line for Ramsey to think about. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. No pressure this weekend. <laughs> a couple of plugs before we finish. There's a Daily Borough newsletter that you can get now by signing up on, on Gazette Live, and we'll be live on the blog from 2 o'clock at the Madstad on Saturday for the top-of-the-table clash. Mm-hmm. Cheers, Vic. Cheers, John. That's great. Bye now.